trois mots qui seront notre avenir parce que nous allons ensemble leur redonner leur sens et leur vitalité. Liberté, égalité, fraternité. Those are the words of Emmanuel Macron, the newly elected French president, and based on a simple Google Translate to English, they mean three words that will be our future because we go together to restore their meaning and vitality, liberty, equality, fraternity. And so based on the motto of the French Revolution, the new president of France rode into power, garnering a solid two-thirds of the final vote. The history of the motto certainly comes from the French Revolution, where it was actually a little longer, being liberty, equality, fraternity, or death, which was fitting as the revolution quickly turned into the reign of terror. And the spirit of the phrase actually goes back much farther to the time of the barbarians. And the Bible magazine, volume 11, issue number 2, actually has an article dedicated to this subject, which I will quote from, and the following is a link that you should... Uh, should you want to read the full article for yourself, which I highly recommend. And in that article, Paul Billington writes the following, <clears throat> quote, It is quite remarkable that the, that the barbarian tribes that invaded the Roman Empire and brought about its destruction were also champions of so-called liberty. Gerald Simmons, in the book Barbarian Europe, says, they, and now we're quoting from the uh, from the book Barbarian Europe. They stubbornly clung to their tribal attitudes toward law and the rights of the individual, and thereby preserved a priceless tradition until the times for democracy was ripe. They led all others in personal freedom. The very concept of progress, the belief in the inevitable and continuous betterment of man, can be traced to the ideas born in our barbarian epoch. And um, carrying on now on, uh, in Paul's article, he says, Edward Gibbon in his Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire tells us, The love of liberty was the ruling pass of the Frankish barbarians who originated in Westphalia, Germany. They deserved, they assumed, they maintained the honorable epithet of Franks or Freemen. And that was from chapter 10 of the Decline and Fall. The name of the Franks is from the Latin Francus, meaning free, and Gibbon describes the way in which these Franks framed their laws, appointing four venerable chieftains to compose them and then submitting these draft laws for approval by, quote, three successive assemblies of the people, and that's from chapter 38 of Gibbon. Uh, Paul carries on uh, in his article, it was those, quote, free and warlike barbarians, as Gibbon describes them, who overran Gaul, overran Gaul and established the nation that we know now as France. They overcame the mighty Roman Empire, but not the sagacious and wily priests of Catholic Rome. As the conversion of Clovis to Catholicism illustrates, those who sought liberty and freedom actually became the servants of corruption, that is, they became servants of a spiritually corrupt Roman church. The baptism of, of um, the barbarian king Clovis into Roman Catholicism 
is still celebrated today. Interestingly, Clovis's symbol was the frog, in fact, three frogs. And how incredible is it, then, that the prophecy highlighted the teachings as frog-like? And that's Revelation 16, verse 13 and 14. And quoting from there, uh, Revelation 16, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of the de- of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and unto the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Unlike, uh, sorry, unclean spirits like frogs may seem like an odd thing, but remember that Revelation is a book of sign and symbol. It says so in chapter 1 and verse 1, where it reads, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto him, his, uh, to show unto his servants things which which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it, so it's by sign, he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And so many people can uh, take some of the uh, prophecies and the words of the book and apply them literally, or try to apply them literally, and before long you have wars in heaven and uh, other uh, ridiculous things. It's, it's not a book... Uh, that you can take completely literally. Um, much of it, most of it, is, as it says here, signified or sent in sign. And so when we look back at the symbol of the frog, Scripture has a lot to offer us. And we can start by going back to Exodus chapter 8 and verse 1 to 8. And this is uh, the story of the time of the plagues under Moses. And... Um, we're obviously reading about the plague of the frogs. And so uh, chapter 8, verse 1 starts by, uh, by reading, or we'll read, The Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments, and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. Well, we can't read all of it right now, but ultimately God takes away the plague, and the frogs die. But there is still a lingering result in verse 13 and 14, which read, And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, and out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. So three things we learn from the frogs. One, that it would affect Pharaoh's house directly. Number two, that it brought about a false promise of liberty. We know that it was false because Pharaoh certainly does not let the people go. Or do not let does yeah does did not did not let the people go sorry, and number three the land stank, 
And if you look up the word stank in Strong's Concordance, it also carries the meaning of morally offensive. And to this point, it's also worth looking up Psalm 78, verse 45, which reads, He sent diverse or different various sorts of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs which destroyed them. And again here, that word destroyed carries the meaning of decay, ruin, or corrupt. Well, as the frog, frogs uh, corrupted the land of Egypt, so the frog spirits, or teachings, as it's rightly translated in Revelation, also are corrupting. They are the teachings of liberty that go, against, sorry, go all the way back to the barbarians, corrupting teachings that would in the end bring all nations against Christ and his people. This spirit or teaching of liberty came to the fore in the time of the French Revolution, as we started out with. There, too, there was the promise of liberty, and it, too, brought forth corruption. And also, interestingly, uh, when you think back to the frogs, how they affected Pharaoh's house directly, um, could you think of a better, a, better, a better part of the symbol to do with the French Revolution that would affect the rulers themselves directly? And as we know, the ruling class and the priests the uh, clergy of the Roman Catholic Church directly or specifically uh, was virtually wiped out in, uh, in, in France at that time. But today, when we think of today and those ideas of liberty, our society is obsessed with this idea of liberty and equality. And how corrupt has our society become? And how godless has our age become? And so those words of Second Peter 2 and 19 are truly fitting. And which they and and the the verse says, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. And so, with America voting in Trump, and the British voting for Brexit, many thought that the French would vote for Marine Le, uh, Marine Le Pen. But, at the place that the liberties of this age were born. The French voted for, again, liberty, equality, and fraternity. And maybe we shouldn't be too surprised. We have discussed in, in previous programs here on Bible in the News that Europe is to join close, uh, closer with Russia and the Vatican, whereas Britain and the West are to stand somewhat in opposition. And interestingly, Emmanuel Macron not only ran on liberty, equality, and fraternity, but he ran also on closer integration with uh, Europe and also spoke of making the road hard for Britain and Brexit. And truly, we truly, uh, we are truly, we truly are seeing the nations lining up according to Ezekiel 38 and the frog spirits still alive and well in France, as we would expect them to be, because when you come to the prophecy, they're there uh, through the sixth vial. And they ultimately bring all nations against Christ. And as for the corruptness of this world's liberty, it's always plain and naked at the UN. In the past decade, the UN passed 67 resolutions condemning Israel and 61 resolutions condemning human, right, human rights violations across the rest of the world. So 67 against Israel, 61 against the rest of the world. Let that soak in, and then we'll uh, read the beginning of Joel chapter 3. 
For behold, in those days and at that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. We can check that. That's our time. The captivity, the return of the Jews. He says, At that time I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. So, we certainly are living at the time of the end. And much more could be said on this, but I would encourage you to start by reading the article in the Bible magazine that we have discussed and quoted, and come back then again for another edition of the Bible in the News at BibleInTheNews.com.